Anna is out on her early morning run before school. Leo is stumbling to his car from the casino. Ten minute drive, no worries. He's only a little buzzed and knows the route home by heart. His eyes close for two seconds driving, and on the third, Anna rolls over the hood of his Toyota, screeching to a stop. He rushes outside to her bleeding on the pavement. No one is on the street right now. So panicked, watching the growing dark stain around her head, he considers leaving. Ugh, why are you even out at this time? Leo calls an ambulance and sits down next to her, crying out an apology. He takes full responsibility for what happened, per his public defender's suggestion. Anna's family and friends in court make 10 years in prison seem light. It'd be longer if the victim died, but she's in a coma. For the first two years of his sentence, he would sleep 16 hours a day. Court-ordered counseling interfered, though, so he did things to get sent to solitary. He got the idea from a schizophrenic brother he grew up with who'd spend days in bed sleeping through reality. So while Leo had nowhere to go, he slept to speed up the decade he owed. Over time, dreams became more real. Flying through clouds, he felt water in them and tasted liquor from his glass. Fantasies could be controlled. He made palaces and islands filled with every pleasure possible. Weed, booze, girls, but no matter how amazing the paradise, Anna kept showing up in his creations. She'd appear bleeding in reflections, making his guilt inescapable. Then, one night, swimming in his favorite lagoon, an icy hand grabs his ankle, then drags him under the water. He tries kicking her off, but her grip is too tight, and Anna drowns him. When someone dies in a dream, they wake up in bed, but Leo wakes up somewhere else. In a kitchen he doesn't recognize, two small boys scream at him to get off their mom as he beats her face in. One of them gets a chair to reach the phone as he throws her down to the tile. She lied, she cheated, and threw away everything he did for her. He pulls out a drawer and fishes around for what he needs. And in his slippery red hands, the knife feels right. This is what she deserves. Daddy, no, they keep crying. Stop. When he's done, there's so much blood, it soaks through his shoes. His sons cry over their mother's corpse. They're better off without that bitch. Sirens can be heard outside. Neighbors called the police. Red and blue lights flicker from the windows as officers enter with guns drawn. Hands in the air. 
when the handcuffs are fastened to his wrist, Leo wakes up startled in his prison cell. What the fuck? He checks his hands and clothes, tearing off the blanket from his cot. He looks for blood, but there's none. It finally happened. He's gone insane, like his brother. The next night, before bed, he reminds himself that insane people don't question their sanity. He was fine. This was just a nightmare. He breathes a little easier before closing his eyes and falling asleep. Yes, Your Honor, I'd like to call the victim's mother to the stand. A lawyer announces to a judge and jury. She sits. Mrs. Rodriguez, could you please explain the defendant's relationship to your son? He murdered my baby boy, she screams. Mi Javier! She points at him. He hired her son as one of his drug pushers. He seemed trustworthy, but he wasn't. Javi knew the rules of the game they played, and he knew what would happen if he broke them. Cops scared him, and the bitch snitched. Fucking rat got exactly what he deserved. Three bullets in the chest on his way home from school. He was only 15, she shouts. The glare of the heartbroken mother warms the seat he's in, but his eyes stay cold. Even as they drag her off the stand, tears rolling down her cheeks, she never stops staring. El no tiene alma, she cries into her husband's shoulder. He doesn't have a soul. It's enough of a testimony that jury deliberations take 10 minutes. Life without the possibility of parole. The judge slams the gavel. Leo wakes up in bed and runs to the sink to splash water on his face. He understands what's happening now. He isn't losing his mind. It's lost in the other inmates' dreams. The last one lives in his cell block. There won't be any islands or castles he can hide in until he sorts all this out. So he dries his face and goes back to sleep with purpose this time. He lands in the nightmare of a pedophile where his shamed family watches and cheers as his flesh is torn off his bones by rabid pit bulls. And during this hell repeatedly for everything he did and planned on doing, through indescribable agony, Leo pushes himself out into another prisoner's head. Anton is serving six years for upsetting the wrong kind of girl. After their breakup, he began to move on, and that was unacceptable to her. Why should some other bitch get the man she made? Her false rape charges were quick, and the trial was quicker. Despite what happened, he finds hope in loved ones knowing and working tirelessly to prove his innocence. 
He dreams of Thanksgiving with his family. Everyone around the table bows their head and says thanks for their blessings. Leo leaves his mind a little more hopeful and finds his way into Anna's. She's running as fast as she can through the cold morning air. The music booms in her ear, filling her with speed and power. This is going to be her fastest mile yet. Come on, push! She glances at the street before crossing and doesn't see the car coming. Her head cracks the windshield before she tumbles off the roof. On the pavement, she tries to stand up but can't move, can't think. Her head feels wet and things go black. Leo is with her in this black space where she's been laying down this entire time. Curled in the fetal position, she's barely breathing, but he's felt her strength and knows she can get out of here. Hey, hey, wake up, he says, taking her hand. The streetlights flicker. Okay, good, good. Now get up. Her grip is still weak. Hey, hey, come on, come on, push. Anna squeezes tight, taking a large gasp of air, and they both wake up.